Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. This is Making Waves at Sea Level, the podcast for those who shake things up in business and are focused on growth and success. This episode is co-produced with the Austin Technology Council. ATC is a 30-year-old association that is focused on promoting and facilitating growth of technology companies in Central Texas. Over the past three decades, the business ecosystem in Austin has changed drastically, and ATC is actively changing too. To learn more, go to austintechnologycouncil.org. My name is Tom Singer, and I have hosted this podcast for over eight years and 735 episodes. Now, I am also the new CEO at the Austin Technology Council, and while this podcast is not always focused directly on Austin tech companies, over the next few months, I'm going to be using this podcast to interview leaders in the Austin tech community so that we can find out what's going on in this community and how it impacts people all over the world. And today, I am happy to welcome to the show, Rebecca Taylor. Hey, Becky, welcome to Making Waves at Sea Level. I am so glad to be here, Tom, and thank you so much for inviting me to this conversation. I'm looking forward to it. So Becky has been super involved in the Austin technology scene for many, many decades, and she was one of the original members of the Austin Technology Council and on the board back when it was known as the Austin Software Council. So let's start there, Becky. What was what was Austin like back then when you guys were launching the Austin Software Council that eventually became ATC? Well, there were about 10 people doing startups, and most of the technology companies were the, the famous ones that we've all heard of, like IBM and Motorola and Texas Instruments and National Instruments and so forth. I don't think National Instruments maybe had even been formed back then. Um, so, yeah, it was a very different place, uh, much smaller. I think there were probably 500,000 people living in the Austin area, and now there's over 2 million. So it has definitely changed on all kinds of fronts. Sure. Well, you have seen a lot of change. And for those of you who don't know Becky, she helps others achieve their dreams. She has spent more than the last 20 years listening to entrepreneurs and business leaders on how they can up-level their companies, change their careers, and she gives advice on how they can have bigger successes. And she creates and joins leadership teams to help bold, creative changes happen inside companies. Now, She's also an executive in residence at the Austin Technology Incubator, which is an organization, one of the first incubators for companies, probably in the whole country. And it is where the Austin Technology Council was born out of. Tell us a little bit about ATI. Oh, ATI is uh, near and dear to my heart. It was formed in 1989. And you're right, Tom, it is the longest running incubator in the United States. Uh, Over the years, there have been four or 500 companies, startups that have gone through 
the incubator uh, and have created uh, two or three billion dollars in value and, and lots and lots of jobs and activity. Um, and I think they've raised about a billion dollars over that period of time. So it's uh, it's this wonderful story of something that starts small and, and makes a big difference over time. Nice. Um, yeah. Well, the reason that I have Becky here today is we're going to talk about don't be afraid of change. If you think about what's going on in our world right now, change is fast. It's everywhere. And I wanted to talk to her about this because that's one of the pieces of advice that she shares with people is, is don't be scared of change, embrace change and ride that wave. So Becky, let's, let's talk a little bit about your career background and the changes that you've seen. Tell us your story. So I started in the eighties when I moved to Austin, I was a young software engineer uh, and I worked on a class of software called embedded systems, which basically meant anything that didn't look like a computer uh, and for about eight or 10 years. And then I decided there was a big wide world out there and I wanted to start working with people who were actually using technology to make big change in the world somehow. And so I started my first company at that point in the early 90s called Terrace Mountain Systems, and it was a software design consultancy boutique kind of uh, uh, software shop. Um, and I would hire people on, on a contracting basis and build teams, and we'd go do cool stuff, and then we'd move on to the next thing. Um, and through that process is how I began to get connected into learning about who else in Austin was doing things with technology. And that's about the time I met people through the Austin Software Council. Um, there were about 20 of us in the early days getting that off the ground. Um, and it was a, a wonderful uh, experience that I would certainly repeat over again in a, in a New York minute. Um, so why do, you think, why do you think it's important for early stage entrepreneurs or, or later stage entrepreneurs to be involved with organizations like the Austin Technology Council? Why, why is that a positive thing? Why would 20 people come together, you know, in a town with just a handful of startups and say, you know, let, let's have an association, let's have community? Uh, we, we believed in a shared vision of what Austin was going to grow into. Uh, and we were driven by a sincere desire. Sometimes it was driven by business for some of the people, um, but mostly it was driven by a sincere desire just to get to know one another and getting to know your neighbors, so to speak, um, and learning how we could help one another through the early process of growing these companies. Because back in the 90s, there really was not the ecosystem and the infrastructure of um, that we have today uh, around Austin. And so we had to grow it and build it ourselves by getting to know each other. And it's a human thing to be healthy, uh, to, in my belief, uh, to reach out and get to know uh, people and be connected and impact meaningfully and positively the, the folks that are also in your community. So through the experiences in that first company that you had and your experiences from being so active in the community, that led you to other opportunities in your career. So, so finish, your, finish the arc of your story. Oh, boy. Yeah. So I, I began to help a few people who wanted to create uh, investment funds uh, into technology companies, but they came from other industries like construction or real estate. Uh, and they didn't really know much about technology. And so I helped some of those folks get their investment funds off the ground by helping them do their due diligence, for example, um, and determining whether or not the company had a solid underpinning uh, technically and then as a team. Uh, and so through that process, then they convinced me, several of the investors convinced me that I should turn my company into a product company because I had created a, quite a base of software through my design firm. 
that I owned. Um, and they said, you need to, you need to file some patents and you need to turn that into a company. So I did. Um, and they said, Oh, by the way, if you don't let us invest in it, uh, we'll never speak to you again. So, uh, that's kind of is the buy signals from an investor that you need to pay attention to. So I had a wonderful experience with, with that company and we wound up, um, with an exit. Um, and then I, began, you know, spending more time advising others. This was in the mid 2000s timeframe and following my, my heart that I really wanted to spend more time doing that. Uh, typically it's, you know, more pro bono. I'm an executive in residence, as you mentioned at ATI. Uh, and that's a pro bono activity. There are six or eight uh, folks that fill that role. And then there's a whole roster of other mentors that come in and do things for an hour or two. And when a company needs specific advice, maybe on patents or on an accounting issue or marketing. Um, and so ATI is a wonderful resource to startups um, on many fronts. Um, and so I, I did that. And so the arc of my story is that um, I'm now spending the bulk of my time with the Austin Technology Incubator, um, helping them run their sustainability portfolio, which is a hard thing for me because it involves clean energy technologies and food technologies and agricultural related technologies and circular economy and everything that we really do need to figure out in order to help this whole earth um, heal itself. Nice. So it feels uh, very impactful and very positive and very heart driven. All right. So I want to dive into this idea of not being afraid of change. How does someone listening who, you know, like I said, changes everywhere. How does someone know when it's the right time to make a change? Oh, um, I'm a big believer in serendipity <laughs> um, and listening to the signals that, that are all around you. Um, and it's hard to predict you know, give, you know, step one, two, and three, because every situation will be a little bit different. Um, but serendipity and being comfortable with listening for and paying attention to uh, serendipitous events that happen that you can then leverage to help you move into a new activity or a new job or a new role or a new, um, you know, life situation um, is is extremely important. And so one thing I have found is that you can, um, identify the conditions that would make serendipity likely to happen. And that can include attending events that can include taking a course that, or a seminar um, on a topic that's interesting to you. Um, could be business related, probably would be for folks listening to this podcast, but it doesn't have to be, um, you know, and then you meet interesting people in these different, different venues uh, and you're having a conversation and one thing leads to another and, you know, six months later you got a new job. <laughs> uh, so that's what I mean by serendipity, but you have to enable it. You can't have serendipity happen if you're staying home all the time, which is one of the impacts of the pandemic for sure. So it's interesting because you talk about enabling serendipity and, and that's why being involved with different organizations, being involved in your community, volunteering, showing up, being being part of the collaboration of how, how do we make our, our city, our town, our industry better is really important. And, and you and I have known each other for probably close to 30 years uh, through the ecosystem of Austin and the tech community. However, I see these days there's less of that. Less people tend to want to go out and just show up and, and see what that serendipity is. There tends to be a lot of, let's get a group of like-minded people, like, you know, let's get 10 CEOs who we already know into a private room at a steakhouse and, and talk. And that's great. And I think great things can come from that. But there seems to be a little bit less of that serendipity of, of let's just show up in the community and, and see what happens. Do, do you agree? And, and how could we, we re-spark that? 
Yeah, I do think that one of the side effects of the pandemic is that people, you know, have figured out that, you know, and 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 we needed to. There's real value in in being, you know, around the house and at home and getting reconnected with your own family. Um, so you could make the argument that five years ago or four years ago, uh, on average, maybe we were a little bit too. Uh, out and about, right? So, so, there, but there's a happy balance. So now we've been the other end of the spectrum, and now it's time to come to the middle. Um, and I do think that you know there's re- there's mental health benefits in addition to societal, personal, and business benefits. There's mental health benefits to being out and about and being connected to the people that are around you. You bring up an interesting thing when you say mental health because change can create a crisis for some people. Sometimes change happens too fast or change happens without it being seen. And that creates people, you know, as they get into the change to get, to get anxious. Is, is that something you see with people who make big changes in their career or in their companies? Do, do sometimes people have to step back and, and, and get in touch with themselves a little bit? Yes. Um, and if you get ahead of your skis a little bit, you know, uh, you can sense that you're a little bit out of balance and it's important to listen to those signals because, your subconscious will tell you things um, a lot earlier than your conscious will. Um, and some of this just comes, you know, with age <laughs> and being comfortable listening to those things. Cause I'm certain that when I was in my late twenties that I probably would not have been as um, aware or willing to listen uh, to those uh, subconscious signals. And so a little bit, this feels like um, uh, something that just comes with, with experience on the planet. And again, as you said before, the, the connection is if, if you have good connections of people who've been through this type of change before and you have, you know, real friends, if you have a good inner circle, oftentimes they can talk you off the ledge, right? That's right. And it's all about perspective and regaining your perspective. Um, and I think a little bit, we're maybe a lot, we're suffering from that on a countrywide basis um, that we need to have. And we need to have a little bit more perspective on, on things is always very helpful. So what are some examples, either from business or just on a country level uh, uh, perspective of crazy change and how it's impacting people? Well, I'm going to borrow from the political arena because there's been so much frantic uh, energy in that in the last few years. Uh, recently, um, Liz Cheney, um, who you know has stepped forward in a huge way uh, to to reinforce and point out and, and shore up and, and defend um, our institutions and our, and our government, our form of government. And she recently lost her primary race um, as, as very likely a result of many of the brave positions that she has taken. Uh, and I think that, you know, watching how she is dealing with that and, you know, already in the early days uh, she is saying that that uh, she's she's going to continue doing what she can do, no matter what her position is, um, to reinforce and support our form of government. And so, she's seeing an entire institution that she is a part of. In about four months, she will be out of that institution, um, and so she will be figuring out how to to continue doing what she's passionate about, which is defending our country. Um, in, in other ways. And I'm certain that she will figure that out. Well, that's kind of an interesting and, and, and really good example of the fact that sometimes change happens from outside. You're not really uh, able to control the change and, and you get thrust into having to do something. If you're in a business, maybe maybe your business goes bankrupt. If you're an employee, maybe you get laid off, you know, et cetera. What do you do right. when change hits you upside the head? Uh, take a moment, take a deep breath, sit down and uh, 
um, not necessarily uh, have a glass of wine and think about it. Um, maybe, you know, reach out to family, friends, and colleagues uh, and be open about how you're feeling. That's something that, that I have had to work on myself uh, is being more comfortable with being open on how you're feeling about something in the moment, right? Because there's a lot of vulnerability and being willing to be vulnerable is a huge thing. Huge. So sometimes the rate of change can be fast and we're experiencing that in so many things, but, but sometimes it can be too slow. You, you, you get in and you, you want to fix something, you want to change something and it becomes a snail's pace. And, and even if you're the leader, you, you want it to go faster and it can't go faster or the opposite. Like I said, things are going too fast and you can't slow it down. How can a person impact that rate of change? Um, and what can, what can they do about that? It kind of depends if, if you're talking about organizational change inside maybe a large company um, some of that is affected by what your role is in that company um, and how well connected you are to others in your company. And here's where we take what we were talking about five minutes ago on being connected in your community and, and it applies inside the community that exists within any organization, including companies. Um, and it's a reason in addition to the human aspect, but it's a business related reason to really you know, be well-connected and aware of who else is in your company Um, because you never know when you might want to make a change and it will be probably above your pay grade to affect that change. So you're going to need to be able to reach out and talk to people at at different levels in the organization um, as, as you know, human to human, um, not underling to boss necessarily. Um, And having your heart right is something that I, that I talk to people a lot about because it removes stress when you're trying to make change. If you know, you got your heart right. And what I mean by that is that your, your goals are always positive um, that you're trying to achieve something for the, that will make something better. And it could affect you in a better positive way also, but you're trying to reach out and affect a change for the, to make something better, whether the company's more profitable, maybe it establishes a new product line, um, maybe it addresses uh, a reputational issue that the company has, maybe it becomes a better place to work, um, better, you know, more caring of the environment, whatever you're, you got to have your heart right and figure out the, the, the positive reasons why you're wanting to do whatever it is you're wanting to do. And then that helps reduce your stress. Um, you don't, you don't, you're not proselytizing, but it, it helps you reduce your stress uh, uh, as you go through trying to architect and, and instigate a change. I've heard you say a few times about, about having your heart right, having your heart in it and, and, and really doing that. And, and I interpret that as if you're passionate about what you're doing, if you're doing it for internal reasons that excite you and, and get you going, it makes it easier to be able to deal with with change, whether it's you know good change or, or or bad change, do you think there's a lot to be said for having that that internal spark for for what it is that you do to to be able to oh, yeah. handle these things? Yes, and that's part of um, if one is looking for reasons to want to have your heart right, um, that's a big one. Um, that you know it, it's when you when you've got your heart right, all that energy is flowing in the in a uniform direction towards your goal. Uh, and that is going to give you that spark and feed it uh, for sure. And people can sense that. So you have worked for, for startups. You've worked with large companies. You've, you've worked and volunteered and, and been involved in associations and with uh, government agencies. And so when we look at all of these things and the experiences that you've had in, in sort of both 
directly and indirectly counseling so many people on, you know, how to grow their careers, how to grow their company, how to take it to the next level. What are some things that people are missing that you wish that that everyone in business, everyone who could shake things up and make waves at that that sea level or even lower uh, uh, on the org chart? What are what are the things you wish everybody knew that commonly you see they don't know? Oh wow, um, I guess it's the uh, fear of getting started, right? Taking the first step. Um, people have great ideas and then they, they kind of sit and, and cogitate on them sometimes for years. Um, and that can generate a lot of frustration because you're not making forward progress. You're just kind of thinking about something. Um, so that's one. Um, the, the, uh, the other thing is um, the, the tendency that, that humans have towards silos we tend to complain about silos and organizations, but we tend to create them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so those come from sometimes fear of the other or fear of having more to do in a day. If you pay attention to these other things, then you can reasonably get done. And so those are all fear-based things. Um, and I found that there's always value always in reaching out and getting to know people in an organization that you don't know yet, mm-hmm. no matter what they do. Um, Cause you just learn, you learn so much stuff that you just can't even possibly predict. That's, that's at the end of the day, interesting and helpful. I've spent a lot of my career talking about the importance of community from the outside of being networked within your community, whether it's the city that you live in, whether it's the, the, the vertical of an industry that you work in, but you know, you've just said it and you've said it before about the fact that it's important to have that network inside the company. I think sometimes people forget that having relationships inside the company can bring you as many opportunities as those outside the company. So let's talk, let's go a little deeper into this idea of building relationships inside your organization. Um, Well, I'm going to use my favorite example of the best three years of my life. And that was the three years I spent serving at the U.S. State Department. Um, I joined the Office of the Science Advisors. The process was very different from year to year, but IEEE has had this fellowship program that I was a part of for 50 years. Um, and one of the things that, that um, I noticed right away was the business of the State Department is largely realized by people knowing who is doing what uh, inside the organization. And so it was a delightful uh, experience of um, wanting to go meet somebody for a coffee to talk to them to learn about what they were doing and realizing that that was at least 50 to 75% of the job uh, was to be aware, to, to um, be able to get enough data that you can, one of the things I do that I'm told I do very well, and, and, and I, I think that this is correct observation, is that I make, pattern matching. I make connections in my head between previously unconnected uh, situations or people. And so one of the ways that I seem to be able to help people realize their dreams is that I will connect people who don't know each other and don't know that they need to know each other. uh, And in ways that, that are very powerful for both people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, that, that value of knowing not just 
who's um, organizing maybe at assistant secretary level in the State Department or the undersecretary for arms control verification who wound up being a huge fan of the things that I was involved in doing. Um, she, you know, she found out about that because of some other people that, that I was working with, not because I was banging on her door to, to tell her what I was doing. And so, you know, the side effects and the benefits of, of just being connected on a human level um, are manifold and unpredictable. <laughs> All right. So as we wrap this up, you know, we're, we're talking about don't be afraid of change. What's one more piece of advice for people who are afraid of change? Mm. First step feels like a big one. It's like after surgery, that first step you take when they tell you you got to get out of bed um, and you feel like you're never going to be able to reach the floor. <laughs> and uh, uh, so just, you know, swallow hard, uh, you know, talk to somebody you know, love, trust, and respect, uh, and tell them what you're trying to do and, you know, ask them to help you, you know, make that first step. Um, and always remember that people do business with people that they know, like, trust, and respect. Um, and so the best way and really the only way to do that is to get out there. Nice. That's, that's awesome. So before I let you go, since this episode is co-produced with the Austin Technology Council, let's look to the future. You've been here, you know, since the 80s. If you could look into the crystal ball, what do you think the future of Austin is when it comes to the tech scene and the success of the business community? Oh, boy. I think it's, it's super bright. Um, so we spent most of us in Austin in the last 30 years or so building what I refer to as the technology Roman road, <laughs> layer by layer by layer by layer. Uh, and so, um, that was the age of raw invention is how I refer to that period of time. Now we are in what I refer to as the age of adaptation, rapid adaptation. Uh, and the ones who are going to win are the ones that come up with the coolest application and use cases for this giant Roman road that we have built for technology. And so Austin is starting to make those changes. I think the arrival of the medical school is going to present an enormous opportunity to take that technology infrastructure that we've built around here and aim it at a huge set of need uh, that is global. Um, and the, and the, the recent arrival of John Deere, I mean, who would have thought you know, we would expect here in Austin that John Deere would choose to go to College Station, not Austin. Why did So they came here because of the energy, the activity, the huge infrastructure of people and processes and organizations like ATC and like the Austin Technology Incubator and like the University of Texas that are constantly churning out new stuff so that they can take that and apply it in this very new uh, space such as agriculture, which is very price sensitive. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's a cool time to be in Austin. I see you know, sort of like when we started doing movies <clears throat> digitally about 15 years ago, we're kind of at the, at the front end of a whole bunch of different industries doing that. Well, Becky Taylor, thank you so much for joining us here on Making Waves at Sea Level. If people wanted to find out more about you, how do they find you? On LinkedIn. Nice. Best way. Nice. You can find her as Rebecca Taylor. I think Becky is in uh, in, yeah. uh, in, in uh, parentheses there on the LinkedIn. So look for Rebecca Taylor on LinkedIn. And again, thank you for being here. And thanks to the sponsor of this episode. This episode, like all of them, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. And I know that a lot of people listening would like to have their own show. If that's you, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this podcast. 
And thank you for tuning in and listening to the show. Please do me a favor, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast joy. And go out there and make waves of your own in business and have some fun along the way. And whatever it is you do, find a way to positively impact the people who you encounter today. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.